the incomparable. Number 538, October 2020. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your spooky host, Jason Snell, to tell you about this spooky, horrorful episode of television. No, it's not It's not actually a spooky thing. It's a show about vampires who kill people, but it's funny. It's what we do in the shadows, the TV show, and, of course, there was also a movie. So good, so funny, uh, and, yeah, there's vampires and murder and werewolves and stuff, too. That's part of the brilliance of it. Uh, joining me to talk about what we do in the shadows are the following wonderful people. Lisa Schmeiser, hello. Hello. I'm so happy that I get to do this podcast with you guys. It's it's good to have you here. Moises Chuyan is also here. Hello. Heed my vision before it's too late. I've received a message from a slouching beast in the night. <laughs> uh, Monty Ashley, uh, happy uh, second anniversary. Uh, dark greetings, everyone. Dark <laughs> greetings. Mm. Tenth? Really? Uh, Sage Young is also here. Hello. Hi, I've called us uh, all in for this house meeting. It's very important. Um, mm. Stop mm. leaving your half-drunk victims around. <laughs> It's good. It's not not mm. the meeting of the vampire council. It's just a just a house meeting. And uh, and now I li- like to introduce our uh, house energy vampire, Tony Sindelar. Hello. Hey, <laughs> dark greens nerds. Everyone thinks they're Jackie Daytona, and you're all. I would Colin love Robinson. Colin Robinson. <laughs> oh. Okay, uh, we're going to do that thing where we talk about a TV show, thinking maybe some people are listening who haven't actually seen it, and we're going to help convince them that they should watch it, and then we'll fire off the spoiler horn and talk about more detail. So uh, in this segment, I, I want to talk up front about what the heck this show is. So it was based on a 2014 uh, mockumentary from New Zealand. Uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement were the uh, were the prime movers of that, and they are the executive producers of this TV series that's on um, FX or FXX, I think. Um, it's all the same. It's I watch it on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Watch it on Hulu. I have uh, no that's, idea what actually airs. That's the way to do it. And it is it is a show that is about uh, three vampires who live in Staten Island and have various misadventures. And uh, and Guillermo, they're uh, familiar, or at least one of their familiar. And 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 then of course Colin Robinson, the energy vampire, the most common kind of vampire who doesn't uh, suck your blood. He just bores you to death uh and that's what the show is uh with some great performances um i wanted to start i'd like everybody's take on sort of like what makes this show so successful because i i think it it is one of the funniest and best tv shows uh on the air right now um i will start by just saying this is spinal tap is one of my very favorite movies of all time and what we do in the shadows the tv show is the single closest thing i've ever discovered to this is Spinal Tap in the way it feels. And I don't know quite what it is. Maybe it's that all rock stars are vampires, really, a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but there's something about the mockumentary style and also just the way the cluelessness of the vampires and the way the jokes land. Um, it is it, it could not be a better fit for the what I look for in a comedy as unlikely as this premise is. And I think that maybe that's part of my pitch here is that you, you don't want to watch a show about vampires. It's, yeah, it is about vampires, but it's, it's, it's funny. It's not quite, it's not what you think it is, but uh, hey, what hang does everybody on, else hang think? On, hang on. All right. I want to know what you think people think of when they think of vampires. Because Sparkles. you're really <laughs> down on the idea of somebody just watching a show with vampires. Well, Sparkles. I don't, well, I don't, 
I don't vampires, know. Aren't they scary and spooky? Well, there's been like that WB show, like the Vampire Diaries, where everybody looked very, very attractive. And tormented and, 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 and mortality is yeah. so is such a curse. And, and they're yeah. very serious. Well, they're not always, yeah. though. That's my thing. Like, or, or there's True Blood, where everybody is both a vampire and extremely amorous all of the time. And um, First of all, I would suggest that certain of the core vampires on this show are relatively amorous. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Very, very amorous. It's just, it's not, it's it's not spread evenly no. across the vampires. <laughs> no, no. I came to this show liking vampires. I am into vampires. Practically everyone mm. in my family slash friend group in Seattle is or I knows met a vampire. Doing vampire LARPing. That's live action role playing vampire style. Wow. All right. So I came into this like when the first movie came out. I was like, yes, vampires, absolutely. And there are so many jokes about vampires and I think this is firmly in the tradition of vampires like the thing that I like about it is that you have all of the vampire cliches all at once sometimes shouted at you if they're done by Matt Berry (laughs) but shoved into the real world so you can see how dumb they are people walking around in the full Vlad the Impaler silk brocade and talking pompously but about getting their trash taken out is inherently funny. Mm. So I think we've established Monty all in on vampires from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe we should expand on what uh, what makes this show interesting for people who are a little bit more skeptical. Mm -hmm. I mean, when this show was coming out, Mm -hmm. I I definitely heard some people are like, "Mm, the mockumentary format isn't that played out. Vampires, aren't we over vampires? A a mockumentary show on FX that's a sequel to an indie comedy movie that was okay, but, you know, from five years years ago i don't know how great will that be and those people were wrong it's like a peak tv mad libs that you did it's a mockumentary about vampires based on an indie comedy i like vampires i'm on team monty (laughs) i mean i like vampires too i'm not like i don't seek out vampire related entertainment but um i love the movie and i obviously love like taika and jermaine and matt berry and everybody who I knew already who was involved. I think there's also an element with this show of like, it. it's such a, like you said, it's like the mockumentary format. It's not cool or innovative anymore. Like we've, we've done this. It feels like this show doesn't really have, this show doesn't really care about being cool and appealing for very, um, like timely in, in in very timely ways like it's it's this show is not at all concerned with being hip which is one of I think the wonderful things about it mm-hmm. um and the it's the juxtaposition too of like this like incredibly silly humor of you know turning yourself into a bat just by yelling bat and like <laughs> like mistaking crepe paper for creepy paper mm. it, <laughs> with with these like gorgeously impeccable costumes and this like incredible set like there's so much sort of care put into this show to tell these like extremely silly stupid jokes to which like especially when the second season was on it was like there were some days where I, I was like I can't watch a new show like like my brain and like heart cannot take anything right now that is going to challenge me too much because like the world mm. and this was like the one show that I could watch new episodes of without knowing what was going to happen because it was just not challenging but 
really unexpected and delightful and uh, just because sort of hit like the exact right humor center for like this spring slash summer. I'll throw into the the dynamic here where you've got the three vampires, uh, three three traditional vampires, plus you've got Colin Robinson, your person that he says at some point that there's almost certainly an energy vampire where you work like that. It's just a very, it's very common because it's just a type of person in reality. If you don't know who the energy vampire is, it may be you. Yeah. <laughs> But the key to me is we also have Guillermo, who is who is Nandor, the Relentless's familiar. And we meet him in the pilot episode, and he really wants to become a vampire. And that character evolves over time. But that provides this dynamic where, where Guillermo is the one who actually sort of understands the world in a way that the vampires don't, and yet he's also innocent in a way. It's, I, I just, I really think that is the, the, the magic, uh, connection that makes the show work the best is that you have Guillermo Mm -hmm. in the house who is representing some, some level of, of reality to these characters who have no connection to reality at all. And he's the heart of the show. Yeah, which is a great addition because that's not really a component. You know, there's this, it's the, the movie, which is very enjoyable and, and people should check out. It's it's lovely. Uh, it's occasionally not always on streaming, which is annoying. Um, I'm not sure if it is or not right now. Uh, but, you know, it's literally only like 90 minutes. It's very fun. Uh, it's somewhat cheaply made, but it's it's very well written uh, and it's, it's hilarious. But it lacks several... <laughs> killer ingredients that they they added for the show uh at Guillermo being probably one of the big ones in terms of giving this this human lens the way yeah. they treat the familiars in the movies is really different mm-hmm. and um yes what I really love about the way they treat Guillermo in the show is not only is he the one who has to reality check a group of homicidal maniacs regularly <laughs> He is basically Uh every intern who wants to get hired. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things I really love um, about the TV show that we didn't get a whole lot of in the movies, I love the culture for for all that I'm like, vampire parliament, blah. Um, (laughs) I love the culture they've built up around this where like, we find out that Na- that Nandor's had other familiars that he's dumped in the past. You find out that the familiars have like a little club where they all know each other. And um, there's a really hilarious episode in season two about one who f- alleges that she gets turned and watching the other familiars react to it is just really, <laughs> oh, it's so great. <laughs> and um, I love how he has this whole inner life that the vampires are completely oblivious to. He's also the intern who wants to get the job, but is has a huge crush on his boss, yes. which is my other yes. favorite part about Guillermo. I mean, he loves Nandor so much, you guys. It hurts my heart. It reminds me of the dynamic in Let the Right One In, a mm. fine vampire movie, but played mm. for laughs, which is perfect. Like, we keep talking about how there's the vampire council. You really only see the vampire council once. It's mostly, (laughs) it's really mostly a show about three or four idiots who live in a house together. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of vampire uh, equations take the idea of, you know, power and immortality and basically the end game for most vampire stories is that there's either secret world government or they're all sex perverts or both. Um, and this pre- this presents a more uh, mundane version of like, no, they're just idiots that happen to live together. But they are sex perverts, though. So. Yeah, they are sex perverts. <laughs> it's a government buy and for the sex perverts. <laughs> what, I, what I like about the, 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 the tack they have for being respectful to the vampire subgenre is that 
that it's referential without being reverential. It doesn't feel a need to underline yes. the same stuff that we've seen in a billion other vampire things. It is perfectly happy doing the everyday you know, suburban dirtbag stories. I mean, the, the treatment of a city council meeting oh, is a, one of the best filmed portrayals <laughs> of a city council meeting I've ever seen. Um, and B what this show does so well, which is the boring, like picking up the dry cleaning stuff and, um, you know, making sure that, that bodies have been properly disposed of in the right way out in the yard. So as to not create sinkholes. Um, you know, the, the, the basic suburban home improvement uh, and and home maintenance uh, version of following the lives of of these folks uh, and and lowering the stakes um, while the, the vampires stakes. themselves have yeah. Yeah, there you go you got yeah. where I was going yeah. um, while while the vampires themselves have these kind of heightened relationships to vampire culture and you know where they are in the pecking order and the society and all that kind of stuff and and it is it is freely mockable um, when I first heard that they were making a series out of this it was right before the first season uh, came out and I wasn't familiar with the names of anybody on the cast list except for Matt Berry right. and Matt Berry was enough for me to go well obviously I mean if if he's involved yeah. there's no way that Tyka and Jermaine aren't involved and sure enough they've been thoroughly involved the entire time yeah the uh, mundanity of the world they live in I think is maybe part of the secret sauce of this if mm-hmm. I'm trying to explain to somebody who hasn't watched it what this is about is they are uh, in our world and the delight kind of comes with viewing all of the vampire kind of tropes that we know from a lot of movies and books and TV shows in this in a more mundane context and it can be there are different kinds of mundanity right in suburbia there, there is the well yeah. and they're in staten island right so they go into manhattan to a club right and that that's a kind of mundanity in a way yeah. of a regular world kind of place as is the city council meeting um and and anything in between in the pilot i mean i, I rewatched the pilot today and the pilot episode so perfectly you know sometimes pilots are not what the show is the pilot episode of, of what we do in the shadows is a perfect distillation of what the show is going to be. It has all of the notes that lead to the places. There's no moment where I think, oh, they haven't even gotten to this part. It's like, no, it's there. You can see it. And the moment that I think really I fell in love with the show is the moment where Nandor the Relentless and Guillermo go to the market and buy <laughs> glitter and creepy creepy paper, which is crepe paper, paper, in order to decorate because the Baron is going to come. This ancient vampire lord from the old country is coming, and they're they're going to decorate with glitter, like in Twilight. He says, and yeah. and the creepy paper, and it's just such a great moment because, of course, they're checking out, and Nandor <laughs> uh, he wants to give him a credit card to pay, but Nandor's like, no, you just throw coins at him, and he throws a coin at the guy, and he's like, you did you just throw an ancient coin at me, and 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 poor Guillermo is just like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And what he has to do is he has to mime his giving the credit card to the checkout guy as if he's stabbing him with it to satisfy uh, Nandor that he's doing violence to this this clerk. And and it's that moment of like, oh, I see what the show is. This show is all the things you know about vampires and all the things you know about boring things in, in the real world. And we're just going to slam them together and it's going to be funny. And it is. All of that stuff ends up making it so that vampire specific stuff like vampires sweating blood out of their eyes in church, like something like that <laughs> comes at you and just it, it, it completely sideswipes you because you're not expecting a bunch of vampire specific uh, stuff because the regular mundane humor is enough for right, most these of are our sitcom characters, right? Yeah, yeah. they're the exactly. least cool yeah. vampires. And I think that's why I love them is the whole approach to the comedy. There's no punching down. 
Vampires may have a different read on that. <laughs> yeah. They're not listening. Yeah. No, I, no but, but, but the thing is, you again, you have a pack of super predators. And um, one of the critiques I have of other vampire media is occasionally it's like, oh, they're beautiful and they're deadly and they're lethal and they're charming. And oh, oh. And instead here, it's, it's a lot of really absurdist and deadpan humor. <laughs> and it's not mean. I mean, again, the vampires may disagree, right. but it's genuinely one of the, it's, it's a show that is so sympathetic to people who aspire to something that's out of their reach. And it's sympathetic to people who are easily flustered or bumbling or just frustrated or bored. And I love the fundamentally humanist vampirist take that it has. It's, it's, it's a feel-good show in a lot of ways. Like once you get past the incredibly high body count off off screen. <laughs> yeah, like the scene, the scene where where they are crying from their eyes in church. They're all putting themselves through that for Nandor because he's sad because he lost his ninety-five-year-old only living relative when he scared her to death yes. uh, specifically. <laughs> but they're all like, like they're all putting themselves through this pain because they want to be there for him, which is like oddly sweet. And you know, an orgy gets ruined because Laszlo wants to make sure that Nadia knows that he loves her like and everybody's like this sucks and they all bounce like there there's is this lovely sort of like outcast like found yeah. family so aspect I, of it. I think what I really love about the orgy episode and that is I mean, a sentence what's I, not to love oh boy well, that's a what's sentence not to love? Love? for those who haven't watched this is what you have to look forward to yeah so what I really loved about that episode actually is Guillermo has that attack of conscience and you watch him having <laughs> yes. this moral crisis in real time where what he wants begins to conflict sharply with who he actually is. And I loved watching that play out because I was kind of wondering if we were going to get there. And, and sure enough, yes, yes, we did. And it resolves itself in a way that I won't spoil that allows him to sideswipe, sideswipe a conflict, but you know it's there now. And one of the things I love about this show over the two two seasons is they do such a great job of scattering narrative breadcrumbs all the way through season one mm-hmm. that pay off either later in season one or through season two. Like at the end, the the season finale for season one, we find out that Nadja hates witches for a highly specific, not at all family friendly reason. And there's an entire episode around that in season two. <laughs> And I was like, oh, there's payback. There's payback. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> without it without it spoiling anything regarding the serialized elements, that's something else that I really love about it. And the the serialization that's that's threaded delicately throughout the entire show, the callbacks that you get sometimes in season two for season one stuff, as Lisa was just mentioning, there's one of my favorite guest stars from season one shows up in season two again, down on his luck. Um, but what I love about the show is that 201, I feel like just about any episode of this, if, for example, you know, if I had roommates and I just had an episode of the show on, they could walk through the living room in the middle of any one of these episodes and be able to just kind of sit down and hang with it for 25 minutes and then want to go back to the beginning and watch it all in order. Um, even though most of the way that I think people watch this show um, is is binging the whole thing. It is also very individual, one-off episode friendly as a means of getting people into it. Yep, for sure. There, and and there are a lot of episodes that are like the one where this happens, right? Like there's the one at the mm-hmm. the one at the city council and whatever it is, and and you can you can dive in. But it's also it goes down easy if you want to binge the first two seasons that are available now. That's it's not, also not continuity heavy. No. no. 
no, that that's definitely the case. I, I also, um, so talking about a couple other elements here, I wanted to mention Colin Robinson again, just because it's such a funny, it's a good gag, but then it continues, right? The idea that, that there is, <laughs> there is this other vampire who's just a regular guy, except that he, he bores you at, at the office. And does have supernatural he abilities. Does. He's not just. No, no. I mean, that's clear that's, for a while that in, he does. In deference like, to. In the pilot, his eyes glow red at some point and you realize yeah. you know, he's, he legitimately is, is draining these people's life force, but he does it through this, this other, other means. But then of course there, the, Colin Robinson takes his, and they always call him Colin Robinson. We don't, Colin Robinson, that's his name. Um, the uh, we he has a journey and uh, has some interesting things happen to him, but also is used in such a delightful way because you get so focused on the three vampires of the house that the show always knows when you've forgotten that Colin is there, and then yes. Colin Robinson appears to ruin everything, and it's it, and it happens again and again, and and sometimes the vampires know it and they're like, oh. Colin Robinson and other times you're just not even aware and the camera pans over and Colin Robinson is there and as a viewer you're just like oh <laughs> Colin Robinson you're coming with us to the club it's Colin amazing Robinson. so that's oh another little love little so bit <laughs> there, there, there are guest stars that to mention would be spoilers so I, I, I'll hold off mentioning those until after the spoiler horn but some that I don't think are just mentioning that they guest star in the show um, Vanessa Bayer is in I think like the third or fourth episode and third episode, is one of my yeah. third oh. episode one of my favorite guest stars in the whole series so far uh, Nick Kroll shows up Kristen Schaal shows up Mark Hamill shows up um, and that's just the the beginning of it uh, and uh, <laughs> Beanie Feldstein is throughout the the, the first season um, and and she's wonderful, uh, and she became much better known after uh, she she was in the show. Even though she she was you know on her way um, in terms of uh, recognition, uh, she's she's a delight uh, that we get bits of um, uh, I, I, the 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 way that they crafted their guest stars. Um, into the show and the way that they cast them is absolutely delightful with one very specific, uh, notable, um, uh, uh, center of that in, in the first season toward the end of it. I don't know. It's very funny and goes down easy. Like I said, like we've said, it's just, it's funny and, and absurd. And, um, and it is, it is dirty. It's <laughs> like not a family show. Uh, no. at no, all no, 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 no. depends who your family is but yeah probably unless they're murderous sex perverts no. <laughs> are you in a family of se- a family of sexy vampires then it's then it's your new binge watch <laughs> yeah yeah it is they probably have better stuff to do <laughs> not if this show is real <laughs> no. that's why all my seattle friends liked it yep. yeah. we're all sexy vampires out here <laughs> mm-hmm. fair enough mm. fair enough all right. Well, uh, it is a uh, fun show that you should watch, but I want to talk about some of the details that uh, progress over the course of two seasons. And so I'm going to fire off the spoiler horn, mm-hmm. but you should check out what we do in the shadows. And now we're going to talk about it a little bit more with the uh, with the spoilers out in the open. Here's the spoiler horn. So the, the twist that is the most amazing is Guillermo realizing that he's a vampire slayer <laughs> and a Van Helsing. Um, what a wonderful change that is to, we've, we've seen him <laughs> kill vampires a lot, but then he discovers that he, he goes from in the, in the pilot being, you know, I want to be a vampire. I want to be turned into a vampire to, uh, although I will say again, in the last shot of the pilot, he, 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 the, uh, he leaves the curtain open a little and the light mm-hmm. from the sun is cast on Nandor's, 
uh, coffin for a little while, uh-huh. and then he opens it, uh-huh. and it's like, mm, like it's there from the beginning. But it's such a great, a great thing, and and plays so heavily into season two where we realize that there's more to Guillermo than even he realized. It's just such a wonderful moment for the key character in the show. I think Guillermo also that he finds out while doing DNA tests on everybody in the house. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The key character in a show like this is the only one who knows that there's a camera crew, which is weird because Mm. they actually talk to the camera crew, but Guillermo looks at them all the time, just like Jim on the office. Yeah. Although there is that great gag in the pilot where, um, we have the, all the very dramatic stuff with the Baron. It's Doug Jones as the Baron. And then, mm-hmm. and, and you're like totally absorbed in this dramatic moment. And then he looks at the camera and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a camera crew. It's fine. Just pretend they're not there. <laughs> yeah. It's such a great moment. It's so yeah, good. I, I don't think the vampires entirely understand the point of the camera crew. I think that they just assume <laughs> that everybody who comes into their orbit is either there to be eaten or to, the, to adore them. They do acknowledge the camera crew more often, I feel like, than most documentaries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also well, at the like same when the, time, when the sound there is so implicit. sound guy like, gets eaten. D- yeah, and they're down yeah. at the bottom of the well. Or, or, or people yeah. get left behind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we we don't stop and question, why are they following this group of vampires around for years? Yeah. Um, no. we, we, we don't have to worry about that too much. It's a oh show. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know. I think it's so, I love that uh, Guillermo, like, early on in season it may even be in the pilot i think it is in the pilot where he talks about how his like when the first time he sort of saw him i'm doing air quotes saw himself on screen as a vampire was antonio banderas in (laughs) the vampire which is so great the way they talk about representation and it's like it's not that the representation idea is a joke it's just like very sweet that he sees that as this goal and then it became this thing where like when what happens at the end of season two happens that people were like, I've never seen somebody, an actor who looks like you do this kind of like stunt work and like badass mm-hmm. stuff on screen in a TV show where the joke is again, not on Guillermo. The joke is that the vampires are like, will you do our laundry? Like that they don't understand how like cool he is now. Yes. <laughs> um, it, but it like turns into, it's like he gets so excited about this like representation because he wants to be Armand from Interview with a Vampire. And then like that character has created that in this like really cool meta way. Yeah. If anything, the joke is, can you believe this sweet guy is killing people? Not, can you believe this fat guy is killing people? And, and he's so, so good at killing them. That's the thing is. And that he's pretty protecting these people who don't appreciate him but yeah, he right. has but he has such like a loyalty to them yeah. that he's willing to do that it's all like ugh, the layers guys that episode where there are all the familiars and the ugh. one who's been turned who has not really been turned yeah. and and her like party and it turns out that it's her her vampire's house and the vampire was gone but now she's back and all that like ugh, that goes yeah. so deep down into the idea of like Guillermo, what you're seeing about Guillermo, like he's not alone and he's different, but he's not as different as you think. And they all have these issues. It's so amazing because it, 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 it takes this very simple thing and says, no, it's not simple at all. And, and just expands it out. It's such an amazing moment. And the idea that this is a, a familiar who is so sort of desperate for being to be a vampire that she's, uh, she's faking it. She's pretending to be a vampire. She's working for exposure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I, I think what I loved about that episode as well is the um, the the fraudulent vampires master comes back and a massacre ensues and it's not graphic like there's some opening prelude but it's a, but like when Guillermo's out of there you can tell he's really rattled mm-hmm. and you can tell like 
although he recognizes that these dorks whose dry cleaning he picks up are are ruthless, are sexy, ruthless killers, and he wants to be one. Like, I don't think it ever seriously occurred to him that Nandor could do that to him. And all of a sudden he's he's I feel like this episode also has him questioning aspects of his relationship with Nandor along the lines of what is the moment when he does this? Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't ever see him ask that explicitly, but there's there's like that whole episode is all about shifting power dynamics in a lot of different ways. And I, I love how unsettling it is. And also it's a beautiful apartment. <laughs> and it's the first time that Nandor comes after him because Nandor's yes. always like, you're easily replaceable. Who cares? And then when he's gone, he's like moping around the, he's like moping around the house and he has to literally go and retrieve him. Well, Nandor is so lonely. Like he's the, so the, lonely. The thing I, I also really enjoy is Colin Robinson is just kind of this self-contained, um, entity as it were and uh laszlo and natasha have each other Mm -hmm. um frequently and 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 nandor for all that he had 37 wives 35 of whom he actually loved um and countless descendants he's really lonely like he doesn't have an eternal partner like laszlo and natasha do and he's certainly not going to be best friends with colin robinson and i'm not sure if uh the crush is reciprocated from Guillermo, but there's something where this is his closest relationship and one that he can't bear to, to, to see change at all. I mean, we know he's not going to change Guillermo for a wide variety of reasons, but I think one of the biggest ones is he doesn't want him to leave. Yeah. That, that one episode is a great skipper and little buddy, like Gilligan, uh, Gilligan's Island kind of a thing that comes out between the two of them. There's kind of a great thing where they're both, even though they're in this house, that's crowded with people, they are both very lonely. (laughs) Yes. Right. Uh, which provides them with a great deal of humanity uh, that makes for some really kind of biting comedy at oh times. Uh, I, I I love all of the characters. Colin Robinson's side plots or actually Colin Robinson centric episodes, like the one where um, Vanessa Byer is another energy vampire mm-hmm. in the office. That's like one of my favorite season one episodes then one of my favorite season two episodes is when colin gets the promotion mm-hmm. and like regular office life makes him even more powerful like i like him a whole <laughs> lot but i just really something about nandor he's just you're kind of like how on earth did you manage to to wreak havoc all the way across the the the, the caucasus and and the balkans and all of these other areas that you presumably terrorized and you know you raised Nadja's village where the people are now only three foot two three foot two because of the malnutrition <laughs> how you know you're just this sweet lonely guy who kills. i love how how Colin can kind of disappear for a period of time and then just magically reappear in a given episode where he's just kind of off the map. And then yep. some of them, he has a very clear B plot where he's mm-hmm. draining a troll or doing something <sighs> along those lines. The show does such a magnificent job in the writing and in the performance. It really is such an ensemble show. It, it's not, this is, this is the main yeah. character. This is, these are the couple of main characters. It really is the whole unit ensemble of them and these wonderful guest stars who who jump in every once in a while yeah the i was going to mention um i would think that a lot of focus would be on on uh nandor which is kevin novak and of course laszlo is mad barry and i want to talk about mad barry in a second but uh natasha dimitrio who is uh nadia (laughs) i think she is the Mm -hmm. heart of this show because she does so much first off she's incredibly funny (laughs) 
She's so she's so good, and and her her stories because she's sort of the balance between Nandor and Laszlo, who are sort of like often opposed to one another, and they're always at loggerheads. And she's got like bizarre things that she does, but she's also sort of like interjecting sort of like between them. I don't know. I, I every time I watch it, I think I think. Do people appreciate Nadia enough? Because she her horrible is horrible singing is like one of my yeah. favorite Amazing. things. Yeah. <laughs> like she, her like, horrible, horrible. Laszlo <laughs> and Nandor are, are idiots, and she is just highly eccentric, basically. Yeah, she's yeah. nearly yeah. sane yeah. Yes. in many scenes. Yeah. Uh, have you watched her flower show? No. No. She hosts a flower show, uh, The Big Flower Fight. It's on Netflix. It's exactly like uh, The Great British Bake Off, but with flower arranging. Okay. okay. And you're watch watching it. here and you're thinking, what's with this presenter? Why is she so, oh my God, it's Nadia. It's, it's Nadia great. the vampire. She was in that um, Eurovision movie too. Yes. Yeah. And very I was like, it's Nadia, it's Nadia. I was very excited. <laughs> she has a lot of really, really, really funny stuff on YouTube also. She does this sort of like, mo- like mom show with like, like they're teaching moms like how to diet and they just have like a Tupperware full of air. Um, <laughs> her and her partner, I forgot her name, but they're really funny. Um, Nadia too, I love like the sort of subtle feminism of her where when she's around human women, she's like, yes, what are you, why are you putting up, what are you why doing are you with putting these, up these this? potatoes, these boiled potatoes? You are so vital. Yeah. Oh, the Super Bowl episode where she's like, yeah. all of you are so vital and angry. Why are you with these people who are bringing you down? Yeah, but the Super Bowl episode where she's like, they find a husband and then right in front of their eyes, they turn into whatever. And, uh, and also it's like at the, at the frat party when she takes Jenna, like in the, I think that's in the first season. And she's just sort of like, here's how you just exert your power over these like college boys. I'm going to teach you how to do this. Um, and just like takes her under her wing in that way. I I love that she just she lives a life that is so separate from what like human women will occasionally put up with <laughs> that to see her react to it is delightful. I'd argue that she also lives a life that's separate from the other vampires in the house in many ways, too. She does a lot of things that they have no idea that she does. Right. I mean, mm, Jess, yes. for one. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love <laughs> yes. the Jess plot. Yes. Yeah. I also love that she's got the doll now with her ghost. Mm-hmm. Yes. How can you pr- creepy, mispronounce creepy Jeff, but you can. Yeah. And she <laughs> does. Uh, repeatedly. Because the, the, he, he's oh. Gregor, the reincarnated uh, uh, love of her life. And I love the reveal that, that Laszlo decapitates him in every yes, life. Yes, in every yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose is the reveal I love. And that, that's both horrifying and oddly touching where he's mm-hmm. like, that's right, my darling. I have done it every time. <laughs> that is, I mean, I think that is a great, very inventive uh, mechanic that this show has uh, in the mockumentary format is the cuts to, you know, like block art drawing or, or you know, uh, uh, Renaissance <gasps> paintings of bizarre, upsetting things. Um, yeah. <laughs> which brings to mind the amazing title sequence, uh, which yes. is one of my favorite title sequences oh, in yeah. TV right now. Yep. It's good. And perfectly paired with a, a song from the 60s yeah. called you're dead, which is a mm-hmm. perfect a perfect match for the the theme of this. I, mm-hmm. It's funny we were talking about uh, Ted Lasso and how it is an American and British production, sort of 
uh, modern television where you've got people from all over the place kind of coming together to do it. Uh, what we do in the shadows is like that too, right? You've got Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi from New Zealand who made the original movie and they're executive producers. They brought in Paul Sims, who is notable for, among other things, uh, news radio. He was a creator of that, but he is a sort of like understands how to navigate uh, American television comedy production. And then they cast these three English actors as the leads, even though it's set in Staten Island. And I think it works so well. It's so great to have this combination of things where, where is this show from? Well, it's American, but it's also from New Zealand. And the leads are are English, but they're also doing kind of weird uh, Eastern European or or uh, or further out accents, right? Like because uh, Kevin Novak is English, but he is of Iranian descent, and he's doing a, 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 a I think a Persian Iranian accent, um, and his character is is from a country that <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, so good. Uh, anyway, I, I love the international flavor of it too. That it's not this is not the American homogenized ripoff of a clever New Zealand indie film. It is this. It is the people who made that movie and some American people and some people from all over the world who've all come together to make this thing and make it what it is. I think his accent is best described as fangs that don't quite fit. <laughs> Every time he says fucking guy, I just die. Fucking <laughs> guy. Yes, I die. <laughs> he is, he is a, a very threatening, terrifying Nandor, the relentless vampire with a vampire accent. And yet it's also kind of a valley girl accent. It's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. It and and the thing is, he's terrifying, and he sounds terrifying until you actually listen to what he's saying, and then you realize he's your grandpa who yeah. forwards memes. Creepy <laughs> paper. Creepy paper. Yes. Oh. Yeah, he, he's known as Nandor the Relentless, and he had all of these successes, we now realize, probably entirely by accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a long, long Long, long time ago. Long. Right. Long it's been a while since he's been right. a success. All right, we have to talk about Jackie Daytona. Oh. Mm-hmm. What are you Ugh. talking about? The Ugh. real Regular. human bartender? <laughs> so I have to admit, I did start watching this show because of Matt Berry, because I have really enjoyed him in almost everything else I've seen. Yeah. Him I guess I didn't really realize he'd be doing Toast of London with Vampire Fangs. But, <laughs> but, but he is. And I just love that he's brought that same, I'm oblivious with plummy tones. And, yep. and Jackie Daytona is the logical endpoint for yep. that. I'd like to briefly tell people, if you haven't seen Toast of London, it's all Matt Berry. It's great. It's on Netflix. Watch all of it. It's very oh, funny. Yes. It's very oh, funny. Yes. Matt Berry is brilliant. He's great. They're all they're all good. Matt Berry is is great. And then there is that Jackie Daytona episode, the episode where he goes into hiding by, you know, <laughs> having a toothpick in Pennsylvania. A, an episode where you, you may actually forget that uh, Mark Hamill is guest starring in it because Mark Hamill is no Jackie Daytona. Well, and he disappears into the guest star role. I think that's like the greatest thing is he's just this real, he keeps up with the comedic beats, which is fantastic. Mm. And he disappears into yeah. it. And then the scene at the end where he's coaching volleyball kills me. <laughs> I'd I like to think whatever combination of drugs resulted in that episode getting pitched because it's 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 we need an excuse for uh, for Laszlo to go into hiding, go on the run and then something for Laszlo to get obsessed with. And it's a small t- like, you know, a small town sports story that would have been an inspirational coming of age drama in 1985. Um, but against the backdrop of this and I just. I, 
it, it, I, I watch it every once in a while just to make myself feel better. I like the low stakes of it, too, in a way. And this is one of the things that this show does again and again, which is why is Mark Hamill uh, a menacing vampire? Jim, the Jim. vampire Jim. Jim. Uh, why does he seek vengeance on Matt Berry? The answer is because he he didn't pay a month's rent uh, mm-hmm. like more than a century ago in California. And now he's been looking for him and he's out to get him because Laszlo stiffed him on one month's rent. And Laszlo is willing to go on the run yes, and give up his whole life. His whole life because yes. he doesn't want to pay and he doesn't want to deal with the revenge. It's, just like, it's so dumb and so <laughs> low stakes and so pointless. And yet that's, that's what I love about it is that it's, it, it's just, it's stupid. It's great. Speaking oh, of like dumb and low stakes though, the hat. Yes. The death over the hat, which oh. not Nadia's like hatred for it is like, it's, it's Nadia's, Nadia's hatred, hatred for, it. for it is like when you're watching like an old sitcom and it's like the, the wife is mad at the husband because his like recliner is ugly and tattered. Mm-hmm. Like that's her but now the recliner is cursed. about the hat. <laughs> Is a He's bad luck hat. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. speaking of somebody who's been a scant twenty years compared to, um, you know, Naja and Lazo's thing, I think what I really love about this show, though, is it shows how, like, you can be married to somebody and adore them and have they are number one in your heart, and they can still just drive you up a tree, you know, because her frustration over the hat or like his or or his frustration with her persistent stepping out with with Jesk, like. Mm. I, I love how they can get on each other's nerves like nobody else. But the minute one of them is faced with an external threat or criticism, it's Nadja and Laszlo, the unit. And it's just such a great depiction of a long-term relationship, I think. Like both the phrase and the things that make it solid. Like I love how in Jackie Daytona, Jackie Daytona does not get a girlfriend with the comely bar wench who, who's like, oh, you've done so much for this town. You know, <laughs> he like completely ignores it. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I'm like, oh, that's really sweet. He's, he's loyal to Nadja in his fashion. <laughs> I like any show where you can where there's a part where you can you you wish you had been in the writer's room when they were just pitching oh, yeah. a bunch of stuff and it's like the Simon the devious like every time he reintroduces his crew you're like they probably <laughs> had like a hundred <laughs> names that they came up with for mm-hmm. all of these stupid vampires Count Rapula I mean it's, just, <laughs> it's the dumbest yeah. most wonderful thing and I just like I love I, I just love the thought of the writers like sitting in a room and like firing off these very stupid vampire puns as much as the show does seem like it's got more i would say more plot planning than your average cable comedy i also appreciated in season two because season one has an arc it's got stuff that is set up and paid off and like it is it is uh, it's standalone and yet also interconnected it's great um season two though has all of those aspects plus i feel like all of the accidentally found sort of like oh this really worked let's bring it back kind of thing and so like Mm -hmm. you get simon the devious who comes back you get the werewolves returning because the vampire werewolf rivalry is also one of the things i really enjoyed in this just like you know they're slow rolling that because that was one of the standouts from the movie yeah and there must have been a great temptation to make that like the center of the show and the, I love the way they're saying, no, this is about the vampires. They have fun rivalry with werewolves, but once a year. I, yeah. I think the restraint is beautiful there. Werewolves. 
Yeah, it's it's like the 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 Halloween heist on Brooklyn Nine Nine. You get the werewolves once a year, and that's that's all you need. And they I, they have plans either for a spinoff movie or a spinoff series. There's another there's a spinoff series uh, that's uh, Jason can probably encapsulate it better. Um, but it, it's it, the the cops from the original movie that. Uh, that are charged with dealing with these dumb, low stakes, grudge based, supernatural things that happen crime wise. Um, Wellington Paranormal. That's yes. it. Um, but I, th- I, th- like, I think we've centered in on, on what makes uh, what what they have continued to refine was already great. And they have found a way to make greater, which is these low stake grudges that like the first time we saw the werewolves, it was just that one of the werewolves peed on a bush. Um, and that created this like knockdown drag out gang war that they were going to have in contravention of the Staten Island, lycanthrope vampire agreement of 1993. Um, which just the name of something like that uh, being as ridiculously uh, dorky as it is uh, that everything in these people's lives is that uh, dorky, silly, and uh, w- would be a waste of time to anybody who was really in any way self-reflective. These are all people that are fundamentally not nearly self-reflective enough to to not keep getting stuck in the same kinds of cycles of dumb crap. So there is, for, and, and I think not available in America, but there is this 13 episodes so far New Zealand comedy series called Wellington Paranormal that is based on characters from the movie. And then they keep talking, um, Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, of doing uh, a movie or TV show called Werewolves that is based on the werewolf characters from the movie. But, you know, clearly they just are having fun playing in this world and spinning out sort of different stories that are comedies that are using various kind of horror tropes and you know one of my favorite tv shows of all time is buffy the vampire slayer which is taking horror classic horror tropes and then turning them into you know emotional high school drama and things like that and i just i love seeing genres sort of spun up into other genres or smashed against them and maybe that's one of the reasons that i love uh this show and why i really like the movie too is that it's so it's so much that it's so much just taking these things that you don't I think expect to see together and, and see them fully like they're honored, but also used every little part of them is used to drive the mm. the comedy forward. We haven't really talked about the vampire council. Yeah. I was going to say vampire council. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to still, I mean, it was in season one. It is still to me, one of the most brilliant things that they pulled off in the whole show. Yeah. The idea too, that it's, it's characters from that, you know, um, from various vampire movies or other things. And then also the characters from the movie, what we do in the shadows appear to cement the canonical nature of it. But except for the, what we do in the shadows guys, all the characters are referred to by their actor names. Yes. Which it's I Wesley think Snipes. Yes, it's great. It's like, yeah. Evan, these are, hello, these are legally distinct Wood. vampires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Danny with his shirt off as usual. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I hope the witches come back in season three. I really liked the witch episode and I liked how that's, I like how this world kept expanding in season two and you find out there are all sorts of supernatural communities and entities all over the place. And that they also have their own frustratingly quotidian and, and mundane concerns to handle. <laughs> 
And uh, I just really, really liked the witch episode for a number of reasons. Um, Nadja getting incredibly territorial about the vampires was was my favorite part of it. Just how irrational and angry she got and stayed there like at a high pitch the whole way through. And then at the very end when Guillermo was talking to Black Peter the goat, and he's like, they said they'll make me a witch, but it's been 200 years. And like, it's another one of those light bulb moments. It was it's such a well-crafted episode. I think it's fun that sometimes you see like a, a snippet of their lives between when they were first created and now like you get Laszlo's folk singing career. And what I like about those shots is you see that Laszlo has always dressed for the time he's in, mm-hmm. except now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Laszlo from the 70s, full ridiculous 1970s because it's fun to put. Mm-hmm. You know, flower, flowery stuff and bell bottoms on Matt Berry. The, the orgy, the orgy episode where he's going through his history of pornographic filmmaking. Oh, and it's it's like a highlight reel of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and Taste of London, like all this other stuff that I've seen him in where he's he, he's just being Matt Berry in little vignettes. Yeah, that, that's a good question, because Nadja doesn't exactly update her wardrobe at all either. Um, she's always in the floral length skirts and the big puffy sleeves. And I can't figure out, like, if this is supposed to be a sign that the vampires just kind of pick a mental and and psychological and cultural era and stick with it, um, which is why you have Nandor in those fantastic hats (laughs) or... Or if it's mostly the visual jokes, like when you have Nandor in his outfits and then he puts on a Michael Jordan Bulls jersey. I was going to say, which comes back a couple other times. Yeah. When Guillermo becomes a vampire, he's wearing those sweaters forever because he knows what looks good. Mm. That's yeah. right. He's, he's, his outfits are very cute. He dresses well, I think. Guillermo does. His little sweater. Vest. He's so charming. The Nandor thing is so great. The Nandor um, wearing his Dream Team jersey is so great because that is like, <laughs> oh that, joke, that joke is totally <laughs> visual in the, in the finale because it's like, they, they ran out of, of laundry, so he yep. has to wear this jersey and they don't have to mention it <laughs> or drive it home in nope. any other way. Well, yeah. Oh God, it, the mixture is so amazing. I was going to say something about about um, Guillermo, and it's there from the beginning. And we talk about Guillermo's humanity is so important to this, right? Because he is mm-hmm. he is our human character, and even though he wants to be a vampire, and we, then we discover he's a supernatural vampire hunter, perhaps by by birth and also apparently by trade. Um, but there are those moments where. You know, again, I, I feel like I'm saying the same thing, which is it, it's the classic horror stuff colliding with reality that provides so much humor. And, and it's and it's there in the pilot and then it plays through the whole sh- show. There was that moment in the pilot where he explains his job toward the end of the pilot. And it's literally he's like, well, you know, I got to board up the windows and all of that. And he says, and then I need to dispose of the carcasses. And this is the key is like he 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 also explains how he's getting the virgins and he brings the two virgins from the LARPing group. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, well, I don't Say. kill, I don't kill them. I just bring them to the people who are going to kill them. And when he's removing the carcasses, he's literally hilariously, by the way, a uh, very well uh, acted scene, dragging dead bodies <laughs> down the steps of their house. Mm-hmm. 
And and that is it's so great because like we like Guillermo and we're rooting for Guillermo, but also he has been for the last ten years an accessory to hundreds or more murders by vampires, and that's part of the story. And you and the show lets you see that, and it's just that discontinuity is so great to me that just to see you know that he's 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 our human, but he's also kind of the greatest monster because he's enabling the vampires. Well, it's a weird world without much consequences. Like, what happened to that business where Colin Robinson killed literally everyone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were they dead or they just all unconscious? I think they were all just unconscious. Some of them to may be, have been dead. Be, I don't know if all of them were dead. I don't but, think Colin yeah. kills. I think he drains so he can go back and feed again. Like, yeah, why? He's not draining consciousness. He's draining life. Yeah. <laughs> and in this case, he did it so big, he drained the life from mm. everybody in an entire business. See, my headcanon is that he doesn't drain life to the point where it can't be replenished. He's a sustainable farmer. Guess yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That's what he is. He's a murderer. Weird stuff happens in Staten Island. They yeah. don't look too closely. That's what I like about it. I mean, apparently, for example, there's more than one house full of vampires with. Yeah, with there's a bunch of vampires in, in this Disco world. Disco family is one of my favorites. Oh, my gosh. Just the idea that they, they have a whole family structure with kids. And apparently the other vampires didn't even know about it. So, you know, I mean, I think the answer is Staten Island can support a lot. Nature finds a way. Well, they're apex predators. And the thing I've always wondered is typically with apex predators, they take, they stake out territory. You don't have too many concentrated in a territory. They're not necessarily pack animals. And I'm just like, why are vampires different? Is it because they were people? Like this show actually has me raising a lot of questions about vampire sociology that I'm not sure anyone can Mm. ever really answer. Oh, well, I've spent much of my life thinking about the details of vampire physiology. (laughs) No. So, Monty, can you explain to me, if you're an apex predator and a vampire, why are you hanging out with a group of other apex predators when you're all competing for the same limited resource? Because you want to impress people. And the most important thing to a vampire is impressing people. And you can't impress the humans because you keep killing them. So you've you've got Guillermo and you can impress him, but you need a couple other vampires around so they know how nice your waistcoat is and how fancy your accent is. And, you know, these are Staten Island vampires who can only live in a house with, you know, three or four vampires. Apparently, clearly Manhattan vampires are rolling deep with, you know, 20 or 30 of them in a, in a crew. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Those, those fancy Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, those guys know how to party. Although, yeah. again, it's Nick Kroll. It's Nick Kroll. So it's not <laughs> that classy. <laughs> oh, God, I love his Simon the Devious <laughs> so, so much. And I really hope he leans on John Mulaney to come back as like an Irish vampire. That would make my life. <laughs> Well, this show is, as far as I can tell, it's it's been very successful for FX. They have done the two seasons. I know that they've got a third season that is presumably on the way once they can make more television. Um, but, uh, you know, if you haven't checked it out yet and are still listening, please do. It's great. It is, I, f- I feel like, about the best thing that's on TV right now. Um, yes, it, it's so it's so good. And again, I cannot give any higher endorsement than to say it hits all the this is Spinal Tap uh, notes in my heart. And that's one of my very favorite things of all time, that it's just so silly and uh, ridiculous and and uh, just brilliantly funny all at once. Great cast, the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, Hulu. It's on Hulu in the U.S. And I don't know where it is anywhere else in the world, but please find it. Seek out what we do in the shadows. I'm I'm with Lisa. I hope we get a witch spinoff. I love how they have like a wellness store. 
That's just such a great touch. I think if we learned anything about about Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi and this world is that they they there are any number of things that they would love to riff on in this world. And uh, they, they are already doing a couple of them and maybe more in store because there's a lot here. There's a whole lot here. All right. Well, I have to go uh, put on like wear a toothpick, just put a toothpick in my mouth and disguise myself permanently. Um, because that's what one does. But uh, before we do that, we are going to, yeah, you didn't even know there for a minute. Uh, But before we do that, let me uh, thank my panelists for being here and talking about what we do in the shadows with me on this episode. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you, as always. It was a pleasure. Moises Chuyan, thank you. Vengeance will be mine when nightmares are made real. Perfectly normal thing to say. Monty Ashley, thank you. It is my favorite currently airing show. Yes. Sage Young, thank you. Oh, thank you. I will talk about these idiots anytime. <laughs> and Tony Sindelar, thank you. Whatever you need, Master. <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We'll see you next week. Until then, bat! Bat!